WBCK. How you doing over there? Pretty good, Lacey. Avoid, yeah. Avoiding April Fool's Day pranks the best I can. Well, looks like somebody in Three Rivers has decided to pull a, a little bit of a prank. Yeah, this was not a nice one, though. No, definitely not a nice one. Uh, someone stole a eight-foot-tall metal Sasquatch from a Three Rivers family. Oh, my goodness. that's uh, That was probably not easy to pull off. Yeah. Eight feet tall? Yeah. I guess that's about the actual size of a Sasquatch, right? That's <laughs> a life-size Sasquatch. Uh, you know, the actual Sasquatch might be bigger than that. I don't could, know. Could be. Last time I saw one, at least. Of course. Uh, Sa- <laughs> Come on, nothing there? <laughs> Sasquatch, of course, has made a lasting input in local folklore, but it's made its way into the world of entertainment as well. It's a, one of the most decorated myths in America, celebrated in many ways. And one was a brilliant piece of metalwork that was eight feet tall at the home of a person in Three Rivers. Yeah, but it seems someone decided to rob the family of their treasured figure as they have reported it stolen. And it would not have been an easy task either. Um, The eight-foot-tall Sasquatch stolen from the property, uh, bolt cutters would have been required to remove them. And uh, not only that, his edges are extremely sharp and very jagged. Mm. Um, So he likely did some damage to whatever vehicle was used to move them. Aw, so uh, they're wanting people to keep an eye out for Sasquatch. I'm just laughing because I could see people like, hey, look, that looks like Bigfoot over there. I just, I'm picturing somebody that's got a sunroof open and this thing sticking out of the top and they're just <laughs> driving around town with it. That's that's what comes to mind for me. That is uh, a funny image. <laughs> now, on the comments, she had put this on Facebook. Somebody suggested maybe it was stolen by the real Sasquatch. Maybe. <laughs> Um, so yeah, maybe the real Sasquatch was just looking for a friend. Uh, but sadly, this isn't Disney and, uh, this is now an important piece of stolen property that they are looking to be returned. Um, so if you have any leads, we actually have a link so you can contact her. If you happen to see an eight foot tall metal Sasquatch lying around or perhaps in somebody's backyard, <laughs> you can check out photos and see if it compares to the one that is missing and uh, get in touch with the owners. I hope that the person didn't steal it to scrap it. I would hope not. I mean, that would be head. an awful lot of trouble um, yeah. for for some scrap metal. I'm hoping it's as simple as they were just like, oh, that's neat. I want it. Not that that's good either, but at least then there's still a chance for it to be returned. Well, hopefully it wasn't damaged. Right. Well, they said uh, the process of trying to take it apart and remove it. Wouldn't have been easy. Yeah. Somebody had to spend a good amount of time to get that off. And then on top of it, the the damage it would have caused just trying to handle it. Yep. Uh, So we have an article where you can actually see a picture of uh, what this thing looks like. And then along with that... Uh, we decided to include some fascinating Bigfoot reports uh, that have happened in every single Michigan county. So there is a whole bunch of these that you can read. I'm going to try to see if I can get to the one. There's one in Allegan County from 2007. Okay. It says uh, the witness had stated that since they had heard the screams, his dog has been acting very weird and doesn't want to go outside. Apparently uh, it lasted for about two, three seconds and it sounded like it was about 100 yards away. Wow. Uh, the one in Calgon County that we have here is from 1979. Someone said it was dark reddish with some gray in it, about three to four inches long. The fur was super thick, uh, saying the leg was thicker than their entire body. Ooh, Ooh, that sounds scary. Freaky. But uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of these. Again, that's <laughs> trying to scroll down. I want to get to the Kalamazoo one, too, just because I'm... Curious. I know. That's what I'm trying to do. We'll see who gets there first. <laughs> it's a race. We're having a, <laughs> we're having a scrolling race right now. 
Um, these are fun to read, though. I mean, we got 83 counties in Michigan, so uh, this could be a nice, fun, long read for you. All right, I made it. Okay, you win. Were you close? Uh, I was uh, <laughs> Iron County. Oh, I was way ahead of you. A uh, Bigfoot sighting in Kalamazoo County happened in 2002. It was a footprint that was discovered a foot and a half long and six inches or so wide and a couple inches deep into the ground. Uh, and they also said they heard a terrible scream unlike anything they had ever heard before. Yeah, there was one for Jackson County for 2011 as well. Uh, somebody was deer hunting. Ooh, Ooh. That's scary. 95.3 WBCK and joining us now from Discover KZoo, Dana Wagner. Good morning, Dana. Oh, hello. Oh, good morning. There we go. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I am doing well. It's April Fool's Day. Has anybody gotten you yet? <laughs> oh, no, not yet. But the day is still young, right? That's right. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, nobody's pranked me yet either. <laughs> and we won't prank you. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it nice. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> so I hear we got uh, some fun events coming up. We always do, yes. Um, one tonight, actually, the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra they're going to have their largest concert yet here with some special guests from the Kalamazoo Box Festival Chorus. They're going to be performing this evening actually at Miller Auditorium at 7.30 p.m. where they'll be featuring one of the largest and most loved ballet scores ever written. Uh, we've got Ravel's Daphne C. Chloe from Mozart's Opera, Ida Menio, and of course, as I mentioned, the Kalamazoo Box Festival Chorus will be joining them for the presentation of that complete ballet along with Richard Strauss's comical tone poem, Till Eulenspiegel, about the life and death of the trickster of the same name as recorded in German folklore. And uh, it's going to be a great show, so you can get tickets for that tonight. That's at KalamazooSymphony.com. All right. And, of course, everybody knows Lacey's a princess and that I'm a superhero. And there's an event for us at Gilmore Car Museum tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say, this is perfect for you both then. <laughs> this is uh, Cars and Characters, a celebration of princesses and superheroes, where there will be a magical interaction for kids with those storybook princesses and comic book superheroes, plus an introduction to the museum's indoor collection of more than 400 classic vehicles. And there's going to be a lot of princesses out there. There's going to be up to 22 princesses and superheroes that you'll get to take photos with alongside carriages, royal coaches, limousines, and other luxury vehicles. And they've even added several new events this year. These are fun. We've got Storytime with Belle, oh. a certified superhero training session with Spider-Man, nice. a pixie dust wishing ceremony with Tinkerbell, and then a special VIP coronation ceremony with the Frozen Sisters. You can get that with a separate VIP ticket the event's going to be going on from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. tomorrow, and you can get tickets for that at gilmorecarmuseum.org. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, the Gilmore Piano Festival is back. Yes. So this is the internationally renowned Gilmore Piano Festival, where for three weeks you can hear world-class pianists from across the globe in Kalamazoo, Battle Creek, and venues all around West Michigan. And this is where the Gilmore, they celebrate the piano in all its variety and depth, including jazz, classical, pop, folk, swing, blues, gospel, and everything in between. So not just classical piano that you might think of. So, of course, a show for everyone. 
including the kids. I wanted to mention this one in particular. They have the Baby Grands. They're special family-friendly concerts where the music is joyful. Children can get up and crawl and walk and play around all while they're enjoying the performance there. So check those out. The Gilmore Piano Festival is starting April 24th and will go through May 15th. But there is a special pre-festival event uh, with a solo recital from Yuja Wang. That's next Friday, April 8th. So if you can't wait for the Gilmore Piano Festival to start, you can get in on that early and see all the performances and, of course, get tickets at thegilmore.org. All right. Sounds like a lot of piano fun. Discover uh, Kalamazoo has offered the Give a Craft Beer Passport program since 2015, and uh, we're hearing the program has recently expanded. Yes, I wanted to let everyone know about this um, since Discover Kalamazoo helps to also promote the 269 area code, we thought, hey, this is a great next step to expand the program, be able to include more breweries around southwest Michigan. So the expansion now includes 16 new additions to the Give a Craft Passport. So there's now 29 different locations where you can check into. Um, one of those, wanted to mention Brewery Otre. They're having their grand opening tonight in downtown Kalamazoo. And this isn't just checking into the breweries. There's also chances to win prizes, too. So when you check into eight locations, you'll earn a free Give a Craft t-shirt and check into eight more for a total of 16, and you'll earn a backpack cooler. This is totally free. It's a digital pass that's offered annually, and many of those locations on the pass also have special offers as well that you can check out. So you can sign up for the Give a Craft pass for free at giveacraft.beer. All right, Dana Wagner, those sound like some great events coming up, uh, including tonight. Uh, Dana Wagner from Discover Kalamazoo, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do Washington a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's wireless companies, and the National Safety Council. Keeping you informed on the radio and online. Like us on Facebook at 95.3 WBCK. And download the free WBCK app to your mobile device. 95.3 WBCK. We are Battle Creek. 95.3 WBCK. Rolling through Friday morning. April, uh, April Fool's, Fool's Day. Day. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think the fool is the the weather. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's supposed to be spring. It's supposed to be spring, but... It doesn't uh, feel spring-like, and then we were supposed to have a spring-like day. That didn't happen. No. Yeah, earlier this week we got pranked with the, the weather. Yeah. Didn't get up to 67 like it was supposed to. So I hope yeah. that's the only prank we're going to deal with today. <laughs> and hopefully maybe uh, we'll start making some progress on spring uh, now that it is April. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I cannot wait for some sunshine. I, I know I've mentioned it a few times. I can't wait to get out into the river on a kayak and uh, float around with some good friends and family. Absolutely. Something we enjoy doing uh, on weekends when we're able to. And uh, yeah, kayaking season. I mean, there's there are people that do it 
in all yeah. sorts of weather. No, I'm not one of them. We're not of that variety. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Up next story. But first, have you ever dreamed of being a firefighter? Well, there's an upcoming event that will give you a chance to see what it would be like. Yeah, that's one of those jobs that uh, when you're a kid, for some reason, I don't. I wonder if this is still a thing. But when I, I was a know. kid, there was always that, I want to be a firefighter. And you wanted yeah. toy fire trucks. I never and, wanted to be a firefighter. Yeah? I'll be honest. Well, I think it was mostly boys. I don't think the, so. No? I don't think so. Because I did want to be uh, in law enforcement at one point. I mean, That's there was true. many things I wanted to be. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to be a <laughs> flight attendant. Um, I wanted to be an FBI agent. Uh, it was very varied. Wait, are you an FBI agent? I might be. You can't tell me. I can't tell you. Well, you've kept that secret very well. If, if Which is are. why I might be the best <laughs> FBI agent ever. Yeah, that's true. Even <laughs> even your husband is completely in the dark on Would that. Would you ever suspect me? Um, no, you wouldn't. If you just met me and I'd never said that I wanted to be one at any point, would you ever be like, yeah, I better watch out for her? <laughs> I always felt like I would be a good candidate, too, because like I don't stand out. Like when I go to a party, if it's with a lot of people I don't know very well, mm-hmm. like I just kind of blend in like I'm a wallflower kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Those are things you wanted to be. So. What's really funny is when I was a young child, uh, radio, being a radio oh, host, yeah. that was there. That was, yeah, that was there for me as well, too. I would set up like a, a boombox with a cassette player and like two of them. Mm-hmm. And I'd play songs and then talk and play from the other one. And I did pretend radio. My sister and I would do the same thing. And we would go so far as to make our own fake commercials. Yes, I did some of that, too. I mean, I really got into it. Um then I kind of drifted away from it when I was in middle school. <laughs> this one's going to surprise probably a lot of people. I actually wanted to be a pastor. Oh, yeah. I did. Well, you know, that makes a lot of sense that you and I would be together because at one point I wanted to be a nun. Okay. <laughs> Look how varied that is, We wouldn't though, be able too. to be together, though. <laughs> no, but we could have been uh, partners in other ways. I made up my own sermons and all sorts of things, and I made my brothers listen to them. Uh, well, one of your brothers actually is. That's true. One of my uh, younger brothers did become a pastor and currently leads a church. So uh, then I wanted to be a music teacher. I was in the band and it was probably after I was out of high school that the idea of wanting to be in radio uh, came back. And I guess the rest is history. <laughs> got a part time job, got in the door and away I go. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, kind of the same for me, too. I definitely got a little more aggressive about pursuing that. And uh, luckily for me, it. It seems to have worked out pretty good. Yeah, we both ended up doing this. And who would have thought, Lacey, that you and I would eventually host a radio show together? <laughs> right. All from the humble beginnings of uh, wanting to be a veterinarian, FBI agent, flight attendant, radio personality. Uh, and for you, even a firefighter. Absolutely. Well, of course, many kids dreamed of being a firefighter as a kid. But there's a new event in Grand Rapids where you can compete with real firefighters. This is so cool. Yeah, uh, it's actually a firefighter's challenge that is coming to the area. It's a new event, and it'll be coming to Calder Plaza in Grand Rapids this summer. And it's called the Firefighter Challenge. Not only will local area firemen and firewomen be competing, but uh, anyone who thinks they have what it takes to compete as well will be doing that. So if you've ever dreamed of becoming a firefighter, this competition might possibly lead to a job even. Yeah, it's a really cool opportunity. Uh, you want to make sure you're pretty physically fit. If you plan on doing this challenge with the professional firefighters, you will be carrying victims, 
uh, doing forcible entries as well as carrying a hose up several flights of stairs and more. And uh, there's some registration information that we have at 953wbck.com. There is an entry fee. It ranges between $25 and $40. Um, if you do click the link and it's not there, um, it may not be live yet. It might take a couple of days. So just keep that in mind. You might want to come and check it back on it. And the Fighter Fighter Challenge will be on the weekend of July 29th at Calder Plaza. Uh, the general public all invited to come and watch the challenge for free. And you can even root for your favorite local firefighter or family or friend uh, that may be participating in the competition. And if you haven't seen a firefighter in action, this will give you kind of a good idea of just how hard the job really is and give you a little bit better sense of appreciation for all the hard work they do. Absolutely. Um, good reason there. But I think the most fun thing about this is it's giving uh, maybe people who had that dream as a child to kind of dip back into their childhood and uh, explore something that they wanted to be. So <laughs> do you want to know the whole idea behind this? Sure. Um, it's to show the public the service that they offer uh, to the communities, and it's also to try to find some new recruits. Yeah, yeah, we have heard a lot about all sorts of areas that have shortages of workers, and fire departments have been a victim of that as well. Uh, yeah, so. they say specifically in Grand Rapids, recruits are down by nearly 13,000 applicants uh, from just a couple of years ago. Wow, that is a huge drop. And it's scary because... It is. You know, and it's the same um, for uh, police and law enforcement oh, as yeah. well. Uh, talked- I mean, I don't know if it's specifically down that far, but I, I do know uh, numbers have been drastically reduced. And these are some of the most important jobs Our out there. Our first responders, yeah, yes. They uh, they protect us. They serve us. If, if something happens... Um, police, fire, EMS, uh, they're all some of the most vital components of life as we know it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, kind of got me thinking about this other funny story that we have up on our website. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And guess where this happened? (laughs) Our favorite place. The Florida of the North. The Florida of the North. An Ohio man apparently robbed a person at knife point and then made him promise not to tell the police about it with what? A pinky swear. <laughs> <laughs> it happened just before 11 p.m. on a Sunday evening. A 22-year-old was walking near the Pit Stop gas station in Warren, Ohio, when he was approached by a man in a ski mask. The masked man asked the soon-to-be victim if he was a drug dealer. <laughs> when the man responded that he was not a drug dealer, the masked man pulled out a knife and demanded money. And things got even stranger after that, uh, according to a police report. The victim estimated that the robber took about $80 from him before he pulled out the pinky and said, you got to make a pinky promise that you won't call the cops. I wonder <laughs> if he said it like, pinky promise. And <laughs> the, well, it's funny is that the robber, after the pinky promise, rode off on a bicycle. You read that correctly. The 22-year-old victim broke that pinky promise. What? No word on if he will be charged. I mean, I know this is bad, but <laughs> you, you can't break the code. <laughs> I don't care if it's a robber or what. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So local law enforcement are still looking for a man riding a bicycle while carrying a pocket knife and wearing a ski mask. If you see this man, do not attempt to play hopscotch with him because he cannot be trusted. Now, did his did he leave his pinky print behind? Is there possible they could? I don't think you can dust another (laughs) finger for a print. No, I think it would be a, a little contaminated. Uh, There's no word on if the alleged robber avoided cracks in order to not break his mother's back. (laughs) (laughs) 
you think this story's crazy or maybe not true, there's actually more uh, Ohio stories, too. If you want to go to our website, we uh, put together the five craziest Ohio news stories from last year. Uh, of course, this one will probably make the list for the end of this year. Um, there's some funny ones, uh, all sorts of them. Uh, although one involved a Michigan couple that was, was arrested in Ohio at a water park. Well, that's really Ohio's fault. Well, yeah. When we go to Ohio, it changes us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, something in the water, be, maybe? Right. The air? I don't know. Well, we're the ones with all the water. They, they get a little sliver No, no, no. I'm just saying it, it, it uh, turns our Michigan brains crazy. It does. I will, I will admit, I don't like driving through the state, and it's not even my natural Michigan hatred of Ohio thing. I, yeah, that we're all born with. I just, I don't, the only thing I'll give them credit for that's great is that toll road, uh, 8090, that gets across the whole thing quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Ohio. Thanks for making it easy to get through your state as fast as possible with, with hopefully as little incidents as, po- as possible as well well we're going to take a quick break on that note and we'll be back with a look at your weather so we had something in our newscast uh, earlier this week and uh, dug into it a little bit further but uh, there's investigators and students continuing to work on a 1988 calhoun county cold case murder and uh, they were back out there this week yeah, it's a, it's fascinating. Obviously, first and foremost, very sad situation. There's a lot of these cases out there. Um, you follow a lot of them. Um, but the fascinating side of it is how these students are getting an opportunity to get literal on-the-job type training uh, to help with these types of situations. This is a, a win-win situation. Ex- yeah. Because they're getting a real-world hands-on experience. And also, as we were mentioning not too long ago, there is a real need for uh, new recruits. Yeah, we were in talking. law enforcement and um, all of the first responder type positions. Yeah, we were talking about the, the event they're doing in Grand Rapids. Uh, so in November of last year, the Calhoun County Sheriff's Office announced that it was going to reopen the investigation into the 1988 murder of James William Burton. His body was located at 29 Mile Road near V Drive South in Homer Township on September 25th of 1988. He was the apparent victim of a murder. Yeah, and at that time, law enforcement was unable to identify his remains. His identity would not be learned until the early 2000s when detectives reopened the case. But soon after, it went cold. Yep, uh, and then again, as we said in November, the sheriff's office announced that detectives would again uh, be looking into the homicide cold case. Uh, they put out some information and asked the public for any tips or possible help in the case. And uh, working alongside those detectives are students from Olivet College's criminal justice program who are not only reviewing the case and identifying leads, but they're also analyzing the actual crime scene where James's body was found. Yep, and uh, the sheriff's office says students were able to learn about search patterns and also how cadaver dogs track scents. From the Michigan State Police investigators, it, I'm always fascinated by what these dogs are able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we have pictures from uh, the state earlier this week when they were out there. Um, James, uh, the man that they're trying to solve the case uh, who murdered him, was known to go by multiple names. He also went by Jim Burton as well as Wendy Burton. He had worked as a drywaller and was known to have some connections to the Ypsilanti, Michigan area, but uh, he was not from the area. No, he was born in 1935 in Virginia, and that's where he graduated from high school. Uh, in the early 1970s, he was in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And in 1975, he was in Anchorage, Alaska. So he lived many different places. 
Uh, and it was in 1981 they were aware that he was living in Chicago. Yeah, um, and now they're saying anybody with information about the death of James Burton is asked to contact the Calhoun County, uh, act, not the Calhoun County, but contact Calhoun County Detective Jonathan Pignataro. And uh, you can see uh, photos of the victim. Um, you can see some photos of those students out there with uh, law enforcement uh, at the crime scene um, all these years later. Yeah. Still trying to solve this case, and uh, I bet they'll. I'll bet they'll get this. Yeah, because we just uh, had one recently in the last couple of weeks uh, that is officially solved now. And you know what's interesting about that one is that uh, there were students um, from WMU helping with that case. Yep. It, uh, again, these are sad stories, but uh, in the process of trying to solve them, it does give people getting into this field uh, opportunities to really learn some stuff. Absolutely. Coming to the field, uh, being quite well prepared. And uh, earlier today, as we've mentioned in our newscast, there is a 66-year-old Three Rivers, Michigan man that's been missing since Christmas Day 2021. Yeah, uh, officers with the Three Rivers Police Department uh, want the public's help to try to find David Abrams. He's 66 years old. uh, And as Lacey said, last seen on Christmas Day of last year, his family says he had left to go to a nearby store in Three Rivers and has not been seen or heard from since. Yeah, David is described as a 66-year-old white male standing 5 feet 6 inches tall. He weighs approximately 125 pounds. He was last seen in the 200 block of East Michigan Avenue in Three Rivers. And they're asking anyone with information about his whereabouts or disappearance to contact the Three Rivers Police Department or St. Joseph County Dispatch. And we've got phone numbers for both those departments as well as photos of David uh, that you can kind of check out and get a better idea. See if that's some someone that you may have recognized seeing recently. And uh, if you go to our website, you can also get the phone numbers uh, to call uh, for those various uh, departments to give them the information. And uh, just like the other case, uh, this is one we hope can get solved and he can be found and safe and reunited with his family. Absolutely. And if you keep scrolling down, you can see uh, there are 17 children that have gone missing in Michigan since the beginning of the year, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You can scroll through there, uh, check out their photos. There's information on how you can get in contact with the department that is investigating each case and uh, perhaps contribute to a reunion. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your news. Thought. Should we do a Brandon Jr.? <laughs> no, that's one I definitely... <laughs> no, I I never wanted to do like a Junior or the Third or something like that. Um, now, one thing... Well, the Third, I mean, that would be kind of difficult. Now, does your <laughs> your family... I'm thinking of your sister's names. and your, So our family's had a theme that you know all yeah. about. Yeah. So I'm Brandon. Mm-hmm. I have a brother, Justin, a brother, Colin, and a brother, Ryan. Oh, my sisters and I all have uh, last names that have an E sound at the end. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Lacey, Ashley, Katie. Yeah. Okay. So, and Heidi. So that theme has continued. Uh, my brother Justin and his wife have two kids, Keegan and Morgan. Mm-hmm. And then my brother Colin has uh, two children, Braylon and Keldon. So it's that two syllable ends with an N thing. So I guess that's where I would say, okay, what's a name we could do, you know, that ends with an N and is two syllables. And also has an E sound at the end? I guess Brandon Jr. would work for that. <laughs> Maybe I'm overthinking it. Does that mean we get to say, let's go Brandon Jr.? What about Lacey Jr.? <laughs> uh, you know, they don't do juniors with women that much, do they? They don't do them at all. Uh, 
No. Someone's had to have. Done. No. I I mean you could you could say that that's the middle name Junior or the third or something like that, but hmm. uh I know there was a tradition where some boys would take their mother their first name would end up being their mother's maiden name. Okay. Um, so there are, cause Lacey is a last name for some p- families as well. Yeah. Um, so you, from time to time, um, more so in the South, will find men with the name Lacey even. Uh, I, I have met a couple, even spelled exactly the same as yours. Yeah. Oh, you've met a few? Yeah. There was okay. a guy working at a grocery store one time. We had a name tag on that ah. said Lacey and it was L-A-C-Y, just like Wow. Yours. Yeah. So must be, uh, I don't know. Uh, somebody I should be friends with, probably. Yeah. So we could commiserate together that we could never find <laughs> oh, anything yeah. with our names on it. But the top popular baby names for this year in Michigan are out. Okay. Uh, so uh, names.com released a name forecast that predicts <laughs> what they think the most popular baby names will be across America as well as state by state. So if you're looking for kind of the hottest baby names or or uh, what the predictions are, at least, for this year. Uh, we got them for you. Yep. Uh, they predict the most popular boy name in America this year will be Liam. L-I-A-M. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the name Liam has been used in the United States since 1860. It's rapidly gained popularity in the 2020s and is said to have Irish roots and means strong-willed warrior and protector. All right. This one doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, they predict the most popular girl name in America will be Olivia. Yeah, that's a good name. Uh, the name Olivia had waves in popularity over the years, the first being uh, used in 1880, and it's said to be derived from olive tree, which is a symbol of peace. And I think the reason it's so popular is because there's a very popular singer right now whose name is Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, okay. And uh, for Michigan, are you a little curious about that? The yeah. most popular boy name in Michigan is predicted to be Noah. Huh. Well, it isn't the first year Noah has been the most popular. It hasn't always been a top name in Michigan. Of course, uh, we know it's originally a biblical name and is said to mean comfort and peace. Okay. And then uh, for the girl name in Michigan, experts are predicting the most popular will be Amelia. Yep. Amelia is a traditional name that has recently become more popular. And this is the first year it has topped the list. It means beautiful and trustworthy in Arabic. All right. And then followed uh, by uh, Amelia is Charlotte, Olivia, Sophia, Ava, Emma, Harper, Evelyn, Eleanor, and Isabella. And then the other names for uh, Michigan, the top names predicted to be um, besides Noah are um, Liam, Oliver, Henry, Elijah, Theodore, Jack, Benjamin, Lucas, and William. All right. So there All you go. All very good, strong names. There's some ideas uh, for some of you out there that are maybe expecting a baby this year. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break because we'll be back to check your weather and traffic. So uh, earlier this week, we had this story in our newscast, uh, but I wanted to get into it a little bit more uh, because, well, it's disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I mean, I just, when I was reading through the, the release, the more I got into it, I was like, how has this been allowed to happen? And uh, so here, here's what's going on. There's a farm in Marshall that is facing civil action from the state of Michigan, and it's related to a lengthy history of alleged poor animal waste disposal practices. 
Yeah, the Michigan Attorney General's office says the actions of Hulu Farms in Calhoun County is threatening to overload nearby bodies of water with harmful bacteria and pathogens, including the Kalamazoo River, Lake Allegan, and other related uh, water bodies, even Lake Michigan. Yeah, and we, I mean, just in the news this morning, we were talking about that new decision um, uh, related to the Enbridge oil spill, uh, yeah. another bad event that happened. Uh, but this farm is a large concentrated animal feeding operation. They reportedly have a history of noncompliance with various Michigan environmental agencies. So a complaint was filed earlier this week in Ingham County Court, and it alleges that Hollow Farms' ongoing violations threaten to impair the natural resources of Calhoun County, again, by overloading local water systems with nutrients and introducing bacteria and other pathogens from animal waste into the waters of the state. Unbelievable. Yeah, and along with this, the farm's alleged ongoing refusal to fully comply with its permitting requirements is threatening the integrity of the EGLE permitting program because they have reportedly obtained an unfair financial advantage relative to uh, complete permittees. Yep, and there's a whole bunch of quotes um, from Attorney General Dana Nessel and others uh, kind of explaining what's happened here and uh, exactly laying out what these violations are. And well, so you looked into this more, so let me ask you. I know that uh, the first noncompliance dates back to 2004. That's um, correct. How many other instances are there? Are they all spread out? Is it somewhat sporadic? And I mean, because sometimes you can paint a picture and it sounds awful, like all the way back to 2004, they've been non-compliant. But uh, have they been compliant most of the time since then in only a few isolated incidents? Well, over the course of the last 18 years, yeah, the first one was in 2004. I don't know exactly how many there have been, but it has been an ongoing problem. But I don't I don't think I could be comfortable saying from 2004 all the way to now, this has been going on every day or something like that. But they do have to dispose of animal waste every now and then. I don't know how often farms do the disposal process. If they've been doing it the wrong way so many times, have they been doing it the right way at all? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, this is very alarming. So, yeah, that first noncompliance was in 2004. The Calhoun County Drain Commissioner contacted EGLE about suspected discharge of manure from the operations into the Budlong drain, and that's connected to the Huckleberry drain through a tile and open ditch, which discharges into Wilder Creek, the Kalamazoo River, and then ultimately Lake Michigan. Yeah, and since then, Holo has been accused of discharging manure repeatedly in the same area, most recently in 2019, when a discharge of approximately 72,000 gallons of runoff contaminated huckleberry drain yep uh january of this year the violation notice was issued due to the ongoing violations and um egle requested compliance by the end of january the farm did not comply with that notice Uh, so here's what they're facing among the terms sought the civil action seeks an order of civil fines and enjoining the farm from unlawfully discharging waste into waterways and groundwater so they're uh, probably in some big trouble. Yeah, 72,000 gallons sounds like a lot. Like, did they actually try to get rid of 72,000 gallons of manure? Is that really what it was? Or was it uh, other water that was also contaminated with manure? I don't know. It doesn't paint a pretty picture. No. And it just for going, the part that surprised me the most was just that it goes back to 2004 and the language of repeatedly. Uh, ignoring, you know, anything anybody was telling them, saying, hey, this is not the proper way to do this. This is going to get into our water. And just uh, sadly, another case of 
us not treating the, our waterways very well. Especially, I mean, the Kalamazoo River, just so many instances in history. It's, it's something I'm passionate about and uh, just sad to see this stuff happen. So uh, hopefully they'll at least, you know, whatever process it takes, hopefully this farm won't do this anymore. Absolutely. And you can read more about this at 953WBCK.com. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather. 953 WBCK and joining us now, Scott Bertram, host of the Radio Free Hillsdale Hour. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I have not been pranked yet. How about you? <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I actually was uh, filling in on a different show this morning and I made a, a number of pronouncements saying, uh, you know, no, no tricks today, no fools today. I might say some ridiculous things, but that's just because I'm you know, reporting on politics and that's ridiculous in and of itself. So it's oh, just, gosh, you, know, you could be more right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you, know, you just have to know what you're talking about. So we have to ask you about something that we talked about earlier this week. Uh, there's a documentary, a doc, excuse me, a documentary that's going to be debuting about the 1966 Hillsdale College UFO sighting. Do you know anything about this? The UFO sighting or the documentary? Either. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, I don't know a lot about the do- I don't know a lot about the um, the UFO sighting, but that's why people should go see the documentary. So <laughs> yes, uh, we have now uh, this is the third term. Uh, you know, we have the Collegian for our students who are interested in print journalism. We have the radio station for students who are interested in in audio and radio and podcasting. And three, this is the third term, we've now had this video documentary class for students who are interested in in the video side of things. And it's our first sort of uh, toe into the water of video production in the journalism department. And they do each term a long-form documentary that all the students in the class work on together in addition to their other projects. So oh. the first one that they did was on the um, the Tangerine Bowl in the 1960s that Hillsdale's team refused to play in because Tangerine Bowl said, your 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 black players can't play, leave them at home. Oh. And the team said, well, we're just not going to play. And they, they did not. They, they didn't play the Tangerine Bowl. And then last term, they did a documentary on all the Hillsdale students who ended up fighting in the Civil War. There's oh. a high percentage of Hillsdale students who ended up fighting in the Civil War. And so this term is this uh, this UFO sighting in the 1960s, which uh, I think officially always has been unexplained. Uh, one of the official explanations was that it was swamp gas that people <laughs> were, were seeing. Like <laughs> Right. And so there, there actually were some documents released, I want to say about two years ago, uh, as part of this, there, were, there was a, a big sort of tranche of, of documents released on unexplained sightings across the country by, by the government. And there was some additional information in there. So I don't know a ton about, you know, the, the new information or what we know, but that's what the documentary is for. So it's going to debut, I think, the April 20th or April 19th here on campus. And we'll, we'll do a showing here on campus. And those all get uploaded to YouTube. So people actually now can go watch, you know, the documentary on the Tangerine Bowl or the documentary on um the Civil War soldiers from Hillsdale on YouTube now, and then this one on the UFO sighting will be up and ready to go uh, sometime later on this month. But it should be telling us a whole lot of things we didn't know previously. All right. That sounds exciting. We'll have to check it out, Lacey. Absolutely. Uh, So what do you got coming up this weekend? 